Hello, hello to all our listeners. This is Jennifer Luzon. Thank you again for tuning in with me for another episode of Living at the Margins. This week's episode is called Are Times Really Changing? Analyzing the Civil Rights Movement, the True Story of Rosa Parks, and the Importance of Activism. We will be having an important discussion today with a guest speaker, Karen Membrera, so don't forget to tune in. Thank you so much, Karen, for meeting with me for today's episode. I was hoping you could take a moment to tell me about yourself. What have you been involved in and what do you like to do for your spare time? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Karen. I'm a senior at Georgetown, majoring in government and justice and peace studies. And um, I guess the things I've been involved in are DC Schools Project, which is like a tutoring program within the Center for Social Justice, uh, Hoyas for Immigrant Rights, which is like an on-campus organization um, that aims to create a safe space for undocumented students. And um, I also did the CALL program, um, which gives an opportunity to students to spend a semester in downtown DC um, while having an internship and then I also um, studied abroad my spring semester of my junior year. And I love to go on walks and um, at sunset um, and love listening to music, spending time with friends. Um, yeah. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. You're an amazing person involved in so many impressive things. I did want to ask you, how do you place yourself in terms of racial, ethnic, social class, national, and religious identification? Yeah, so I um, I identify as a first-generation low-income student. Um, I also identify as Latina. Um, and I was I pretty much raised Catholic and um and yeah yeah so thank you much for sharing that with me um so in one of my classes we read dark end of the street black women rape and resistance a new history of the civil rights movement from rosa park to the rise of black power by danielle l mcguire in this book mcguire uncovers the untold history of many black female civil rights activists while also telling the groundbreaking stories of Rosa Parks and Rusty Taylor. These stories reinterpret in his, the history of America's civil rights movement regarding the sexual violence against black women by white men. It was an essential step to facing the terrible legacies of race and gender in this country. Do you have any certain recollections of that period related to the civil rights movement? Yeah, I mean, I think from learning about it like in school, um, I think like the most known figures come to mind, like Malcolm X, um, Martin Luther King. Um, but I, I'm really interested in education. So I feel like um, I think one of the biggest wins from the Civil Rights Movement was the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which ended segregation in public spaces um, and prohibited discrimination on the basis of race, ethnicity, religion, and sex. Um, and I think this had um, 
not only did it in segregation in public spaces, but it also did in um, in schools, which I think, um, you know, I think was an important step to integrate schools. Um, uh, so thank you for sharing that. It was truly insightful, and I think it is a very general like definition and what we learn in school. Um, also, like during the civil rights movement era, the movement was often associated with its male leaders, as you mentioned, such as Martin Luther King Jr. And while McGuire often argues that black women have always been at the forefront of anti-racist activism, more specifically Rosa Park was often described as a kind and retiring old woman whose tired feet caused her to defy segregation on Montgomery's city buses and refused to get up from her seat. Her supposed solitary spontaneous act sparked the 1955 bus boycott that gave birth to the civil rights movement. However, the truth of Rosa Parks was way was what lay beneath the 1955 boycott is far different from anything previously written. She was not a retiring older woman in the amount of space that takes up Rosa Parks' story of not getting up compared to everything she accomplished for the civil rights movement isn't very known. So I'm not sure if you knew about this, about Rosa Parks, or if you know any more. Um, of her accomplishments or what she was involved in and the true impact that she had on the civil rights movement. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that um, I took a intro to women and gender studies class um, my first year at Georgetown. Um, and, you know, one of the key figures that we looked at was Rosa Parks. Um, and I think in that, like during that semester, I learned a lot about her. Um, I feel like what I learned about her like in middle school or high school was very limited, um, but I did learn that she um, was involved in fighting against the sexual violence that black women were experiencing. Um, and she was, I think, if I recall correctly, a sexual violence investigator. Um, and. And I think she also, um, and I think there was like a really important or like very significant case where um, I think in Alabama, um, a black woman was gang raped. Um, and so I think this case really, I think was really prominent. Um, and you know, her fight against sexual violence um, and specifically by white men, uh, which I think is really important to highlight um, because you know, as we know, white men, you know, at the time got away with a lot of things. And, um, and so I think, you know, I think she played a huge role in trying to fight against this and advocate for black women. Um, and I think also, um, something that I think wasn't mentioned, like in my history books, like growing up, um, was that she also played a huge role in protecting also black men from like false accusations and, and lynchings, um, which I think is really important because I think during this time, like, you know, I think there was a huge, huge um, increase, right, in like physical violence against black women as black, I mean, black men as well. Um, so I, that's very true, and I think it's definitely something that we need to consider and acknowledge, and especially Rosa Parks and everything that she was involved in. Um, 
So I think it's important to talk about the role that Rosa Parks had in the civil rights movement um, because as important as MLK was to the movement, at the end of the day, it was women who were also at the forefront of these movements fighting for change. Do you recall any other leaders during this period, women perhaps, whose stories should be highlighted and retold? And what are their impacts on this period? Yeah, um, so like I mentioned, I took the Intro to Women and Gender Studies class. And um, I think for one of my papers, I really focused on um, kind of, I, I was trying to highlight uh, women who were kind of at the forefront um, that at the forefront of um, trying to um, champion mental health and one of you know the figures that I found through my research was Dr. Jackson Christmas um, which was an African-American woman who specialized in community mental health care um, especially for low-income African-Americans um, and she actually served as the mental health commissioner for New York City under three mayors, I believe. Um, and so her personal fight, you know, against, you know, this issue of mental health, I think was, is really important to highlight because um, although like when we think about the civil rights movement, right, we think about um, access, right, to public spaces, to education, um, but I think a, another important issue is access to mental health. Um, and I think her contributions to this are really important and I think that should be highlighted and her story should be highlighted. Wow, I think that's super interesting, especially since I haven't heard of her, like, her name before. And I think it's definitely someone that we need to talk about, we need to learn, and I think we need to expand our scope for sure. Um, so building on that a little bit, uh, so in the book that we read for our class, Maguire also writes about the rape in 1944 of a 24-year-old mother and sharecropper, Racy Taylor, which I think you were mentioning before, um, like previously, who strolled towards home after an evening of singing and praying at the Rock Hill Holiness Church in Abbeville, Alabama. And seven white men, armed with knives and shotguns, ordered the young woman into their green Chevrolet, raped her, and then left her for dead. So although Taylor can, did was able to identify one of the men who like did this to her, the grand jury refused to issue indictments against her rapist. So women are constantly being belittled, oppressed, never listened to in this continuous cycle. But even though we're also at the front for, or they were at the front for, or these fights, especially the women that you mentioned, um, but they're never given the space or the protection that they deserve. So I don't know, what are your thoughts on the sexual violence that women are constantly subjected to? Do you feel that women continue to face these racial inequalities, disparities, and oppressions today? Is there a continuation? Do you think things have changed? Yeah, I know. I think. I mean, I think sexual violence against women, I think, remains a really, like, it still continues to this day. And I think it, I don't think it will end as long as we live in a patriarchy. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, certainly, you know, I think certain women experience it more than others, right? Um I think the intersection of 
you know, different identities can compound um, the harm that can be done to, you know, women. Um, and I mean, I feel like the fact that like women are listened to is because, right, the systems that are, that we try to use to hold, right, the perpetrators accountable with are led by men. Um, these rules are led are created by men, and so I don't think there's space for women to voice their um, their thoughts and their um, and their desire right to hold those accountable. Um, and and I think it's a perpetual cycle, right? Um, and I mean I think we can see it even like on co- college campuses, right? Um, with sexual violence against um, students who identify as femmes or women. Um, and I think we've seen it, like, they're, like their perpetrators are held, are held accountable and the administration doesn't do anything about it. Um, I mean, I think last year, um, black women, like, listed their demands and, um, they weren't really nothing was done after that like i think they held meetings with the administration but i don't think it went further than that um yeah um i agree with you which is why it's important to discuss these racial inequalities and highlight women of color at the forefront um especially when like i just mentioned the rules and the laws that are being put in place are made by men um, so, like, Rosa Park was an admirable and move woman and started a movement revealing a rationalized history of sexual assault against black women and fueling the increasing clamor for reform. Do you think some women face more violence and oppression than others, or are systems in place to, to oppress all women alike? I mean, I think I think certain women face more violence and oppression than others. Um, I think women of color, right, face more oppression. Um, or I think maybe, or I don't know, maybe it's maybe they face it at the same le- I mean, the same level, but I don't think the systems protect women of color the same way that they protect white women. And I also think there there's not only the gender aspect, there's also like the sexual identity and sexual expression because, um, right, like trans queer folks face, you know, can face more violence and oppression than, um, you know, than other folks. So I think, I think it's, a matter of like not only gender identity but also like sexual orientation um and sexual expression um and i think all of these identities right intersect and can compound the harm that can that is done to them um and i don't know i think um in terms of like the systems in place to Wait, that's it. Um.
Um, I no, I agree. Um, I think also like talking about like intersectionality is very important, and how a lot of these systems continue to control women's bodies, control what women do, um, and the laws are there to protect them, and they're here to protect us. So I think I think you're right. I think um, women of color do face more violence and more oppression, and I think it's something to consider to talk about, and also how women of color are at the forefront of these fights, and they need the recognition they deserve. So I guess um, transitioning a little bit, and we talk about how Rosa's Park's role in the civil rights movement. So I wanted to ask you, would you have considered yourself an activist in any way? If so, what kind of activities slash groups did you participate in? If not, why? Yeah, I think I I think I would consider myself an activist. Um, I think um, well, the conversation around like being an activist sometimes people like differentiate uh, between being an activist and an organizer, and um, I think an organizer does a lot more work in terms of like relationship building and constituency building um so i think i don't necessarily do that but i think activism involves right taking a less risky um way of engaging um and i guess the activities or groups that i've participated in are uh, oh, yes, for Immigrant Rights, um, which is an on-campus organization at Georgetown, and then um, United We Dream, which is a nonprofit, um, and it's mainly youth-led, immigrant youth-led um, organization, um, and I think both of these focus on immigration justice, and I think think I guess my role with HFIR I mean Hoyas for Immigrant Rights was um being the liaison between Hoyas for Immigrant Rights and United We Dream um and in that role my um the aim was to kind of uh connect both organizations for the sake of publicity but also for collaboration um and so I think that's how I got involved with United We Dream um I do attend a lot of their actions, um, and just recently, like two weeks ago, I attended an action that about, um, so right now, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program is at, is in court, um, and this program protects um, immigrant youth, and it gives them a work permit, um, and uh, this action was to kind of fight and fight for that. Um, and a couple of us, 13 of us committed, I mean, did civil disobedience. And so um, I think that was, <clears throat> I think a very impactful um, experience. Um, I personally have an older brother who has DACA and a lot of friends um and fam and cousins who have DACA and so I think although I don't identify as a DACA recipient, like I'm um I felt like I had to use my privileges my privilege as a citizen to um to 
you know, to bring is- to bring attention to this issue. Um, and, yeah. Um, no, thank you so much, I guess, for sharing that with me and for speaking about the work that you have done with Unity with Dream and also, like, on campus. So, and I guess my next question was just if you could share your story about your activism. You did mention, like, a lot and you did expand it, but I don't know if there's anything else that you want to expand on, um, like the work that you have done. Has there been anything that you have learned from the work that you've done? Yeah, I think, um, I think, I mean, I don't want to expand way too much, but I think a couple of things that I've learned from the work um, is that <clears throat> it's very like draining, especially if you're personally connected to the issue. Um, and, um, I think for a long time, I thought I wanted to be an immigration lawyer, um, but I also realized that that is also very draining, right, because you're working within the system and you can't really change it. Um, with community organizing, though, I think there's, or, or activism, there's a little bit more leeway in terms of like I feel like people have a lot more agency and control um but I feel like although I do want to do work within immigration um I don't see my role in terms like in as a like a very as a direct role and and um what I mean by that is I hope to like um engage with the issue in like a more like in advocacy or policy work um cuz i feel like there at least you're trying to change things um and i think um i want to do work in like in the intersection between immigration and education um so hopefully getting my masters in public policy will help um and i think there's a little bit of distance right because you're not working directly with people that are impacted um and so i think that's I, I think it's a healthy distance because um and i think the healthy distance doesn't lead to burnout or like just being drained from the work mhm no i i think it's definitely important to talk about like the mental health that activists have to endure especially when they're connected to these issues and where the, they're at the forefront, which is why it's even more important to protect the women who are there um, and like appreciate the work that they do and the position that they put themselves in, um, especially like I guess connecting it back to the civil rights movement. One of the biggest uh, fights was for women, yet they weren't receiving the same recognition or acceptance that they deserved, so they didn't find um, space within w- the women's um, fights and they didn't find space within the civil rights because it was very men-led. So as a Latina, Afrile woman involved in similar spaces of, like I guess, activism, I wanted to ask if you ever felt like you weren't receiving the same recognition as others or were maybe you weren't like valued as much as you, like as you should be. Or you deserve. 
I honestly, I don't think I'm that type of person where, like, I want to be, like, recognized. Like, I think I'm very humble about the things I do. And I think I do things because I care about it. And, um, but I don't, and I know recognition is really important, right, to bring awareness to the issue. Um, but I, um, but yeah, and, um. And I also think, like, as, like, as a citizen and as a member of a mixed status family, like, I don't, like, I think there are, like, people's, other people's stories who need to be highlighted, right, and put at the forefront, like, like, directly impacted people, right, like, undocumented people um, who don't have any status whatsoever, DACA recipients, queer undocumented people, like, um, so... Like, although my story is important, I feel like there are more important ones. And um, and I like to give that space to people. Um, I think that's, like, very important uh, to acknowledge and for you to speak on that and, like, accept that. Um, I But I think it's also important to highlight, I guess your sacrifices and even if let's say you're not directly impacted you have like your family is impacted by these issues so i think you like putting yourself in these positions is still something that reserves like the recognition and like the i guess the gratefulness like that people feel um so i guess like also talking about this have there been any times when the initial motives for protests and actions weren't accomplished yeah, so I think a couple things come to mind. Um, I think, for example, like the Roe versus Wade protest at the Supreme Court, I feel like there was a, a huge turnout, a huge pushback, right? Um, and, I mean, we also, like, the news were also leaked. And so, I don't know, I, I, like, there was a huge pushback. And I don't know, I feel, I felt like, I had a little bit of hope that it was going to go, you know, our way, but yet it was, Roe versus Wade was still overturned. And I feel like there was a president, right? Like a, pre- like a historical president. Um, but also, like, how can you overturn that much history, right? And so I think a lot of people were just really shocked. And so, I mean, I think that's one time when, you know, the initial demands for protests and actions weren't accomplished and I think a second one that comes to mind is um I studied abroad in Argentina and um during my time there I went to protests for like women's rights because I feel like women's rights movement is really big in in Latin America especially in Chile Mexico and Argentina and I think I wanted to experience the power you know in those protests and so I went to a couple of them and I remember there was this huge protest against femicides and femicides are hate crimes against right women and girls because they're female right and so I think it's a it's a type of gender violence um and there was this specific case about a woman who got killed um and yet they didn't do anything right 
to the person to the perpetrator um who was a man um and so i think um i think this is just another example of like times when you know demands aren't met by you know the government or by people in power um uh yeah no thank you so much uh for sharing that i think that is definitely something that we don't talk about as much is how much these like protest actions especially fighting for women's rights isn't just in the united states but also in latin america in europe and in other um, places it's a worldwide issue um so i guess also kind of talking about like the work that you have been involved in and the activists and organizations that you volunteer for and their activists has there been any specific sexual or domestic violence that women had to face and do you think that the organization did anything reacted or have did they have any certain attitudes towards it yeah i think um i'm not gonna mention organizations but there was this instance where um someone was um, sexually abused um, and um, like a member of the organization and the you know leadership didn't do anything about it and what I think was really messed up in this case was the fact that they forced her to share her story to leadership um, and they said this because they wanted to quote-unquote like give resources to her right to help her and support her but at the end of the day they didn't do this and I think their interests were more aligned with them being you know like the legal implications of this right they wanted to protect themselves legally um and like she had to talk to a lawyer and stuff like for that organization and at the end of the day, after she talked to the lawyer, like nothing was offered to her, like no mental health resources, nothing of that sort, um, which I think speaks volumes right to um, the systems that are regulations in workplaces um, that aren't there to protect uh, women and victims of domestic and sexual violence. Um, uh, so, no, that's, thank you also for, I guess, for sharing that. Um, I think it's a very serious topic, something serious to consider. Uh, what were, like, your thoughts about the situation and maybe a different way that it should have been handled instead of, like, I guess, how it was? I think, first of all, like, the fact that she was forced to, like, share, like, what happened I don't think people should be forced to share things, especially things of that nature. Um, and second, like they prioritize their interest and their them wanting to protect themselves over, right the the mental health of a member. And so I don't think like they didn't even offer her. I mean this person um resources so i think i think that was that should have been the first step like your resources like how can we help you 
like what do you need from us instead of them first thinking of the legal implications of this um no yeah i think it's important especially how the sexual violence affects the health physical and mentally of the women who have experienced this uh it's definitely something that should have been the priority and something that different organizations um like all organizations have to put at the front and it's just another example of how women are continuously oppressed they aren't um being protected so i guess um like kind of shifting back a little bit i guess do you think that civil rights leaders um or how do you think that civil rights leaders and feminists were viewed during the civil rights movement and like do you think that has changed today yeah so i think um civil rights leaders and feminists i don't think they were I don't think their contributions like to the movement were considered and appreciated. I feel like um they prioritized like male voices, right? I don't know because I I think they thought it was more like an effective strategy to get to like the people in power, right? Um but I think at the end of the day, like women have had things to say. They had, um, they had really important contributions, and yet they weren't acknowledged. Um, and I don't think that has changed much today. Um, I think even like in the nineteen eighties or nineties, like with the AIDS and like the um, and with like gay rights like white gay men were given the platform versus you know there were lesbians weren't you know um lesbian and lesbians of colors of color weren't given the platform to share their story um and so i think even within that movement right there's a um they prioritize certain voices over others um Um, no, yeah, uh, I think that is very true. I think within these movements, um, it's women of color and those of color who are often affected the most from the lack of recognition or just the lack of protection um, that that they endure. Um, so I guess... Thank you for your time. I guess my last question uh, is, what do you think needs to change for women to receive equal recognition for their intersecting identities to be acknowledged uh, and for them to receive the protection and value they deserve? I think that's a very tough question. But I think, um, like, I wouldn't even know where to start. Like, to make change, like, to make 
change in institutions like there's a lot of barriers because of bureaucracy and because of processes that are already set in place right so i don't think institutional change will come in the near future but i think we can i don't know i think there could be a lot more space provided for people with intersecting identities right like to be given that platform um i'm not really sure like it's it's just complicated and it's a long history of um of oppression and of neglect and so i don't i, don't, I really have no idea but i'm i think it was really an, an interesting conversation and thank you for having me um, no, thank you so much for joining me today, Karen. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, and I hope you can join me again sometime very soon. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode called Our Times Really Changing, analyzing the civil rights movement, the true story of Rosa Parks, and the importance of activism. We looked deeper into Daniela's L. McGuire book, Dark End of the Street, Black Women, Rape, and Resistance, a new history of the civil rights movement from Rosa Parks to the rise of black power. We acknowledge how complex Rosa Parks' story is and the lack of acknowledgement she received for her impact on the civil rights movement. We look deeper into the civil rights movement and how much more the voices of women of color need to be centered, more specifically black women, and the importance and impact in this movement, while also looking and comparing modern-day activism, the lack of protection that women of color continue to face, and the sexual violence and control over women's body that is still present today. Tune in next week for another episode of how these institutions continue to commit violence, belittle, and other women. Thank you.